Thank you, everybody, for joining us on this beautiful day. My name is Brenna Akio, and I'm here on the Belforge team. Um, we're going to have a really nice, fun discussion with these great people right here. And then afterwards, uh, we'll have some time for questions from the audience. So try to think of really good questions. Um, so let me start by introducing our panelists. We have Jean Minio, who became the executive director of the Belforge Arts Center last year, but has been working to develop this opportunity since 2014 when the town bought this property. She has managed community arts centers, alternative art spaces, and public art programs in greater Boston for nearly 30 years. Jean has been a Medfield resident for 18 years and was a leader in establishing the Cultural Alliance of Medfield, out of which the Belforge Project was born. Um, next, we have Carl Lavin. He is the owner and booking agent for Great Scott, a well-known and loved music venue and bar in Alston that was around for 40 plus years until it closed a couple of years ago. He has had over 15 years of experience in the live venue booking and management industry. Before leaving his job to acquire Great Scott, Carl was an employee of Bowery Presents, one of the industry leaders for live entertainment booking for 16 years. Next, we have Ralph, Ralph Jackadine. He has um, four decades of working in the music business with artists as diverse as Bruce Springsteen, Rush, Kiss, Livingston Taylor, Martin Sexton, and Ellis Paul. In high school, he started promoting concerts in Allentown, Pennsylvania, and this, continues, um, this continued at the University of Notre Dame. After a decade in Boston's commercial real estate business, he started an indie record label and artist management com company, Ralph Jackadine Management. He is the founder of the Boston Managers Group and a frequent speaker at industry events, including NPR and podcast interviews. Ralph teaches full-time in the faculty of Berkeley College, and this fall he's starting his 10th year of teaching the next generation of music industry at Berkeley. And next we have Cliff Notes. He's the founder and CEO of Hip Story. He is an award-winning multi-digital media artist, musician, entrepreneur, and filmmaker. He was previously the teen new media Programs Associate at the Institute of Contemporary Art in Boston and is currently assistant professor at Berkeley College. Rooted in hip hop, his art tackles the political and the personal, exploring the intimate consequences of a society where black bodies are easily ignored, forgotten, or disregarded. He's received multiple awards and nominations for his work, including being the first musician to be named Musician of the Year for Boston Magazine, Best of Boston. So welcome panelists, welcome audience. Woo! Woo! So, Let's start with the basics. Jean, why don't you kick us off with the basics? Why why are we here? What are we doing here? What's happening here? What's going on? What's the Belforge? <laughs> um, yeah, so welcome everybody. Uh, you know, the Belforge Art Center is, well, what we're working toward is renovating this building behind us for a 300 seat performance art, performing arts venue, but it'll be flexible seating. And the idea there is that we can accommodate different art forms, but we can also accommodate the different ways artists could think about using and experiencing that space. We'll also be attaching it with a new um, addition to the building behind it, and that'll be 17 classrooms. So the whole concept is to be able to support artists from where they just start out learning to where they can teach and earn, but also um, the professionals can present. And so there's some magic that happens when you have those but the continuum and the arc of support for uh, performing artists in one place. And then, um, you know, the, the buildings are really just the vehicle to, to serve the mission, which is really about supporting artists, expanding cultural opportunities, uh, and, and cultivating a creative community. 
So we're really excited to be getting this off the ground where um, if we're, when we're successful, we'll be opening in early 26 and really looking forward to that and to a full season of performances ahead pretty much every Saturday uh, now through October. And you can find the schedule of events on our website, which is bellforge.org. Thank you, Jean. We talked a little bit about um, the arts. I know I talked to a few of you in there earlier as well. Um, this word, the arts, what do the arts mean in each of your worlds? And why do the arts matter? Um, well, for me, uh, uh, the arts has always been something that uh, it's something that, that you connect with emotionally, whether it's something visual or, or uh, you know, whether it's like something you hear, something you see. Um, and when you have that connection with something that's being that has been created and presented, it's unlike pretty much anything else, like truly. And um, I, I think that you know that um, having a place that you know, and any place. Uh, that fosters that and curates it and, and lets people uh, find their, themselves and their voice um, in, their, in, in their art is something that is just, I mean, when you say invaluable, it's literally, I mean, there's, you, can't, you cannot uh, put a price on something like that. Like, it's just, it's, it's, so, it's so important and, um, and you know, for uh, taking it under uh, an undertaking like this is just so admirable. So, I mean, and this place is insane. Well, it's, <laughs> it's, it's very good, this place. <laughs> uh, yeah, and, and for me, um, you know, I, I teach at Berkeley College of Music, and on the wall, there is a little picture, and it says, all artists are entrepreneurs and all entrepreneurs are artists and in a world that wants to build walls in a world that wants to divide us in a world that wants to uh, push us down the arts is a place it's a beautiful shining light that can inspire us could change lives and um, you know as my my colleague George Howard says he's on the faculty he's a brilliant guy he gave a talk in front of the student body and he said, more art, less war. And, you know, it's a, it's a bumper sticker, but there's truth to that. You know, if there's more art, then there's less, you, you can work things out with art. You can inspire people with art. You can take a loss with art better. So, um, you know, I, I tell my students like this is we're we're trying to change the world here and we're trying to do something really powerful. And if you don't think art is powerful, do something else. Because uh, all of us on stage and most of you here are here because art has some big, big hole in our hearts. So for me, it's all about changing the world and bringing it to a better, more empathetic place. Nice. Um, I don't know if I can follow that. Um, I mean, yeah, music is cool. Uh, but art, I mean, the idea of art is basically being the byproduct of creativity, right? So creativity is, I think, 
the thing that advances human society uh, every day, every year, every decade. Um, without that creativity, we wouldn't be able to look at an abandoned state hospital and look at it like a blank canvas and say, hey, we can bring culture here, we can bring people together here, we can bring community here. Otherwise, it just would have remained an abandoned state hospital that people um, try and graffiti up and bring art to anyway. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, I think that's, those are my thoughts. So, so I know everyone is sick of talking about the pandemic, but the reality is that it had a huge impact on artists and audiences. And so I'm curious how the pandemic changed the way that you think about that relationship with artists and audiences. And what do opportunities for audience engagement look like in a hopefully one day post-pandemic world? Well, I'll say this is this is it. This is my response. Like for me, it became even more important to be able to experience it in person. And there's just nothing like that. So it's, it's part of the drive behind this and to be able to do it together this summer in a space that's as magnificent as this is, is really what it's all about. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think that um, from my industry, we were, we were curious as to what the, like, the, uh, how, how audiences were going to adapt and to live streaming and like, oh, is this really people are just, are people really just going to be, you know what, this is fine. I'm sitting at home. I don't need to, you know, I don't need to be there for this. And, and I think what, I think what we've discovered is that there just, I mean, there's no way to replicate what it's like to be in person there. Not only just the way you, um, the way you as a fan uh, interact with the uh, hearing of, hearing the band or you know the artist uh, on stage, but the fact that you're there with other people and you're all, you know, you're all like-minded and you, it just it's just instant community when you're in a live uh, a live performance setting. And um, so I don't think. The future of uh, live music is in much, is, is in much danger of uh, people just staying home and watching on on uh, on their laptops or phones and stuff. So we had a uh, foundation that gave a nice check to Berkeley to put together a um, an event, and we've done a couple of these, and it was to fly in people from all over the world and talk about music all over the world, and then the pandemic hit, so we we took the money and. What we did is we divided the world into four locations, four chunks of countries, and which included, you know, Russia and Ukraine and China and everywhere else. And we had panelists from, we did it in four days, we had panelists from every section, and they talked about how they're dealing with the pandemic. And we don't need to know that the venues are closing and everything sucks. We need to know the positive and what's going on. So they had all these great stories about uh, collaborative uh, ventures and new relationships and all that stuff. So we pivoted pretty well as an industry uh, of trying to keep going and trying to bring money in. And then we're kind of off, the masks are off, and I'm seeing some of these panelists on the campus, and is all I do is go up to them and give them a hug. And you can't do that on Zoom, you know? And um, the touching, hugging, uh, you know, meeting people in person is really important. And it's not on a screen. Like, we're really here in real life. And boy, does it feel good. And it's really important. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think I just want to add to that point because 
I mean, we keep talking about the pandemic, but I think one of the things that isn't talked about enough was, uh, well, I think it's talked about, but I think it's more of like, just like a subheading instead of it being the main title, but just like how sad everybody was to be inside. We we're losing a lot of people um, and there was just so much going on. And I think even going back to the first question, thinking about why arts is important, when the world started to open up, what was one of the first things we started seeing people doing, going back to the movies, going back to concerts, going back to gallery shows. People wanted to be around beautiful things and around people who enjoy beautiful things in that community. And one of the best places to get that is the art. So I think that that was, the main thing that I saw coming out of the pandemic was that we not only just want art, but we, we, we need it. We, we, we need it as sustenance. We need to grow and be happy people. That's a great way to put it. And so thinking about experiencing art, right? Each of your organizations offers um, very different experiences with the arts. And so I'm curious, what does a successful program look like for you? In other words, what is the top thing you hope that your audience will walk away with after attending one of your programs? We don't have to go in order, but we can, um, yeah. So I, I, a long time ago, I said it almost facetiously, um, but then really came to believe it is that what I, what I do and what, what me and, my, and, and the people that in, in my industry do is we're ultimately we're in the joy business. And like success is if there's eight people at the show and they all walk out like psyched that they saw the show, nailed it. You know what I mean? Like it's just, it's just, it's just about, um, yeah, giving, giving artists the, the, the platform, uh, the opportunity to uh, present their art and having the space for um, people who would enjoy it to be able to see it. And as long as if it, if it goes well, that means everyone is happy. You know, Carl, that, with that joy comes out of a connection, right? I think we've all, we've all been touching on that and how important connection is and how that is that is what music does. It connects us. It, to your point, Ralph, we could be divided on politics, but love the same bands. Like there's a there's a way to work through our differences in the arts or through the arts. There's a guy named Victor Wooten who has like five Grammy Awards, one of the best bass players in the world. And uh, he came into my class and he was talking about how art brings people together. You know, he's at a concert and there's rich and there's poor and there's black and there's white and they, they we're all together. And nothing like music slash art can bring people together. And I go, well, what about Tom Brady and the Patriots? I don't know if you remember Tom Brady or the Patriots, but nonetheless, and, and, and Victor says, yeah, that's all good, but half the people are rooting for one team and they hate the other people and vice versa. And that's an exaggeration, but when you're there to see Springsteen, there's 65,000 people sharing the same love of the music and the experience and there's nothing like that that is as religious and spiritual as i know on this planet you know and to be part of that is is awe-inspiring yeah the first the first thing we wake up with every morning is our memories and that's the biggest thing that we try to do at our company is being able to give you good memories um so along with that joy of being able to look back think, wow, remember that one concert we went to in the middle of a med 
State Hospital. That was amazing. Nobody else has that memory but me and those hundred other people that were there. Hopefully we'll be creating many more memories. <laughs> um, so we spent some time talking about audiences, but let's take a moment to think about artists, creating artists, supporting artists, educating artists. This is a topic that's near and dear to my heart, especially as a mom of a young drummer slash painter slash possibly baker. Um, but what is the number one thing that artists need right now? What are some of the challenges right money. now for artists? <laughs> space, right? We need money and space. I was just on the news talking about this exact thing. Um, money and space, space to create and just the financial freedom to create in an America that doesn't really allow you to do so. So um, yeah, it's, it's that simple, money and space. And I think that um, Boston is, <clears throat> is unique uh, in the fact that um, money and space is so tight uh, for artists that you know it's hard to it's hard to afford to live in in around Boston and also be able to have the kind of job where if you decide like if you're in a band and you want to go on tour you've got you can just take three to four weeks off and then still come back and have that job like I mean there aren't that many you know and because plus Boston prices you know residents uh artist spaces are so hard so um you know so i mean yeah that's it's literally it's figuring out ways to make sure that they uh that there are spaces um that so that artists have can perform and can hone their craft um and develop and then also for places you know for, for, for fans and um and you know and art appreciators uh to be able to actually witness it and then the commerce of it um you do this, we'll pay, we'll pay for this, and everybody like you know that ecosystem. Um, it's it's very challenging in Boston proper right now. I'll tell you that. <laughs> and, and that's uh, true and true. And I would like to add to that. I think artists need heroes, and I need they need to actually touch an actual musician and shake their hand and be mentored by them. They need to be inspired by people in real life not just on a screen and they need partners in some capacity. So they need teachers, they need instructors, they need heroes and they need a place to incubate it all. You know, Cliff, you said something brilliant. If this wasn't going to be a big art center, artists will create art. These walls would be full of things and there would be art breaking out everywhere. And that happens. But the fact that it's facilitated, by people that care about their community and people writing checks and people putting hours and hours and hours of work into this is it's awe-inspiring and um, there's a karma to that and I think I, I know a lot of good things gonna come out of this. So I have one last question for Eugene and then we're gonna open it up for questions from the audience. But so Gene, you know, we talked about a lot of different things here, right? Artists, audiences, some of the challenges. How does the Bell Forge fit into all that? How does it tie it all together? Uh, I hope it's the manifestation of everything you guys have just said. I hope we can be that place that we can we can live up to that um, that goal. And I, you know, I think as a nonprofit, it is part of our mission. Uh, it's a little bit of a different focus, and I think 
this place in particular and the size of the venue is also going to be very important in the ecosystem of support for performers in the greater Boston area. So you don't just go from learning the violin to playing in the BSO. You need these places that you can experiment, evolve, change, try again, you know, perform, get your, get your feet under you. And I think um, there aren't enough venues of this kind of size any longer. I mean, the city of Boston has really changed and Cambridge too, in terms of limiting, uh, limiting space for artists. And so spaces like this become even more important as we move forward and try to do the, provide that infrastructure of support within an ecosystem of a community supporting artists. <laughs> All right, any questions? Give, give us an easy one, Jerry. Um, I'm Jerry Potts. I, I'm a ringer. I'm on the board. But we've got to start this process. So I'll, I'll lob the first softball. Um, so one of the key things that's happening on June 21st is the vote for the buildings around here. And for a lot of folks who've come out here for the first time, perhaps, Gene, you could share a little bit on the larger vision and how this fits in with that. Um, because it's a fairly major part of, you know, moving this all ahead, so. Thanks, Jerry. So the Belfort Art Center, our lease property, is this green that you're on in the buildings behind us. The rest of the property is being proposed for sale to a developer who's proposing to do historic preservation of every building here, except for the two that are non-historic. Uh, and they, it would be... Uh, they would be converted to housing, rentals for at least the first five years as a condition of the historic tax credits they intend to get. And we feel like this would be a really great partnership. It's with Trinity Financial, which clearly has experience and supports the arts. Um, and we're excited about that. And I uh, think, you know, they, they have, they've been receptive to our request, shall we say, to include artist housing within it and to include additional program space for the arts. So beyond these buildings, we would hope to also bring in visual arts and culinary arts in the way that we intend to support performing artists from, uh, you know, be like the farm to table example in the culinary arts with additional space on the property. And Trinity has been a great partner to date. So we're excited and we hope that that vote will pass. We encourage people to vote yes. Um, the historic preservation of the buildings we feel is uh, super important and would also um, be helpful to us to have people living here in uh, an active and engaged community around us. What makes a building non-historic? Uh, I think, Cliff, it, in part it depends on when it was built in terms of this campus. So there's one building in the back where we have a gorgeous mural by Cedric Douglas, unfortunately, it's a non-historic building. Uh, and then there's another building behind these brick buildings. It's a little bit lower in the back and it was a food service building built like in the, I believe in the 50s. So whereas these other buildings were built around the 1890s, early um, 2000, yeah. <laughs> uh, the buildings that came later just are not historic. And so they're not covered by a historic district. They're not governed by the same kind of oversight that the historic buildings are. So this vote, is there a plan B or are there other people 
trying to get the bid on this? Or? That's a good question, Ralph. And I, I suspect, because I hope I'm not speaking out of turn, Eileen, keep me honest. But what I've, I have heard the selectmen discuss is that it's unlikely we would get another developer to take on the historic preservation, in which case the town would need to start taking buildings down. And before we do that, we would have to do the remediation of the hazardous materials that exist. So it's potentially somewhere around 20 million, Eileen? <laughs> Maybe, you're gonna correct me. Yeah, I need to make sure everyone understands that the town would not be able to just step up and start uh, addressing these buildings one-on-one. -on -one. $20 million is not something the town would be able to afford. So it's so imperative that June 21st, people, if they, if, I wanted to ask the other night by a show of hands, how many people want the buildings to stay? That right there, is a yes vote because if the building if we can't get this to go forward the only other option is to take it down because trinity has extensive experience in understanding how to use historic tax credits and like just to give you a simple example if you go to redo this building and you don't do that line of brick the way it's done and the way you tell the the historic and national parks who, the way it's going to look they'll come they'll look at it and they'll say Gee, nice try, but you're not getting the money. All that money you spent, you didn't do it the way you said you're going to do it. So that's the level of detail that's going to go into restoring these buildings. And they're a partner that can do it. And they are a partner of the town. I think something that people really need to understand too with, with Trinity is they engage with the community, with the, 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 the project all in. They don't stick their arms out and push the community away and say, let us do it. We'll talk to you later. The entire way they engage. So I am so excited that they engage in the arts. They support the whole program. I look out here today and I think this, if you can close your eyes and open them in five years, think how beautiful this could look. And having a wide range of artists throughout the summer, you know, addressing all ages, all, 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 all music levels, it's just, it's awesome. So, you know, I'll, I'll step away from that, but just, I don't want anyone to think the town's just gonna step in and, and take care of the buildings. We, we truly cannot financially do that. That's why we have to find a partner and we believe Trinity is a partner. Thank you, Eileen. I think the other point to note is that what's really special here is this access to nature in addition to. So the fields that are in the front, the fields that are in the back, the Charles River touches it, the circuit trail runs through this property. There's an opportunity here for the art to be well beyond just these buildings. And it's, it's unique, a, a unique opportunity. Uh, David Temple, I'm the uh, president of the Historical Society and I'm co-chair co -chair of the Historical Commission. I don't want to be redundant, but if anyone is wondering what can you do to help this, you can go to the town meeting and vote. That's the biggest single thing that you can do to help see this vision come to life. Uh, otherwise, the, the town, besides Trinity, we had one other bidder uh, who submitted a plan, and it was, uh, I won't name them, but they, they're active around here and they put up generic uh, uh, condo complexes like every other generic condo complex across the country. So to me, that, that was, there was no choice at all. Trinity has a, has a terrific reputation. My brother happened to mention to me when, I, when he uh, heard about it, he said, I did some, a lot of work with them about 15 years ago and I thought it was, it was my favorite client for a real class operation. That was un, unsolicited, but uh, glad, glad to hear it. Everything I see about uh, I've read about Trinity, uh, it's encouraging and all the uh, alternatives are discouraging. 
So please go and please vote. Vote yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Otherwise, don't don't go. <laughs> um, thank you. Any more questions? Yes, come on, come on over. Nice shoes. <laughs> thank you. Okay, so as a non-resident and a suffering and struggling artist, how can I help push the message or the cause forward for what you've got going on? Thank you. It would be great to just spread the word. You know, we, we imagine this as a regional uh, facility, a regional center. So it's not just for Medfield. It's going to take people well beyond Medfield. If you, you know, this is our first year. We're grateful to you guys for stepping in and say we're, you're taking a chance on us. Um, but help us, help us spread the word. Okay, awesome. And, yeah, thank you. I'm super psyched to perform, and something like this is... Amazing. Like coming in here, it's going to be incredible. And I can't wait to see what the vision you have for this. And, and, and in there, oh my God. So please let us come back. <laughs> Any other questions? This is awesome. It's about the history, it's about the nature, it's about the art, the community, everything. I think that's what makes it so unique. So, there are no more questions. Um, as you can see, we have a we have a really big vision here with potential for tremendous impact, and we need a lot of help to make it happen. So, we have some excellent performers coming up um, this afternoon. We also have some more great performers coming up later in the season, and um, they were organized by some of these people right here. Um, so, please be sure to check them out at bellforge.org slash events. We'll show you all of our upcoming events. Can I just say, Cliff, you're playing next weekend, right? No. The well, weekend after. The weekend after, 25th? My company is hosting an event where we're curating a bunch of artists performing there. I'll be here, but I won't be on this stage officially. But you helped organize <laughs> it, right? Or yeah, you are, I, or, I organized it. Yeah. Yes. But the week after, I'll be performing. So if you enjoyed everything you saw today, or even if you just believe in the arts and want to see this place um, happen, come talk to us. Um, there are many, many different ways to come and help and get involved. So um, we could use all the help we could get. Yeah, I was, I was going to ask, are there, um, are there like socials? Do you guys have, you know, is there like a Facebook? Yeah, we have yeah. Facebook, Instagram, the all the social. We have a website. You know, spread the word, let everybody bring bring people here. QR I mean, all, code right over yeah, there. Yeah, QR code. There you go. Yeah. Picture, it'd be weird if I was like, oh yeah, we should, you know what, we should do that, Carl. Good idea. Yeah. And, and come, and come, have fun, you know, bring a blanket. All of our events are outdoors and free and fun. Bring your dogs, bring your kids, bring everybody, bring grandma. Um, so, yeah. Thank you all for joining us. Thank you to our panelists. Enjoy the rest of the afternoon.